بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته formally nice to see the group make it nice to see the walking wounded make it although that kind of upgrades you from just sick yeah and we have guests and visitors from Ohio and Jeddah and Badr Ish and Manchester and Oldham Sharif we should say and uh, and uh, from every part, alhamdulillah, online, we've got all the gang as well. Um, so welcome to all the folks online uh, too. And uh, Bilal, that's how you watch me normally anyway, sideways. And to everybody else, and in my apologies. And alhamdulillah that we are good. The Three Cities uh, crew is good. We uh, left Al-Aqsa Al-Mubarak Al-Muqaddasa uh, about four days ago. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect it. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala honor its people even more, except the shuhada, and one day show us May Allah give us that, that blessing where we see the supreme amazingness of His power. Some people don't get to see it in their lives, and some people get to see it, and don't live up to the favor that was given to them. Reflect on Bani Israel. Bani Israel were the, not the only, but one of the very few groups of people that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed them to witness firsthand the ajaib of his qudra, the amazing nature of his power in how he delivered them through the sea and then Drowned the kuffar in front of them, showing them directly whilst you were able to look upon them as well. That's intentional, of course. Not just get it done whilst you're sleeping, but get it done whilst you see your enemies perish at your own hands and your, you, know, you witness it. And that's a high, high favor because look at what a buzz. I mean, imagine, you know, if you're talking about people celebrating in the streets, imagine being able to see something like that, right? But then that's a favor from Allah, you've got to live up to it. And they failed miserably. They failed miserably. So much so that even for the next 40 years, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala left them yatihuna fil ard. Going around yani, aimlessly, not being able to find their way, let alone get to the promised land, let alone get to Aqsa. So I think that, um, I really think that, that it's all easy to be saying these things, just roll off the tongue. These things are very complex. The Qadr of Allah, the way that the, the Ummah is, you know, because now we're onto a, onto a, a catastrophe and calamity for the Ummah and then of course the people Ahl Ghazza that can't be even quantified, can't even be described. But even when we're talking about destruction of the enemy and even when we're talking about for us to be part of that or see that, it's not just easy as saying that. Do we deserve even to be able to see that? Do we deserve even to receive that Nasr from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Are we the people of Nasr? Are we the people who in Tansurullah yansurkum wa yuthabbit aqdamakum? Are we the people that if you support the deen of Allah, then Allah will support you and He will strengthen your foothold? Are we those people even? And if we were, are you ready to take the responsibility of being blessed to that level? That's yani, another point to reflect on. Lots of points. Only thing that we can say is to complain to Allah of our weakness, of our humiliation, of our inability to help, 
and we do what we can and we know that we're just feeling as bad as we possibly could be because we know that it's never enough. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that he protects the blood and the honor of the believers and that he accepts our fallen ashuhada. And the ameen. All right. Okay. So today we are... Um, we are doing the uh, uh, chapter of the people who have excuses, legal excuses when it comes to the prayer. And specifically, we've reached the uh, stage where a person, he can't stand up, so we'd be telling him to sit down. Okay? So, telling him to sit down. Where is the... Uh, how do I find the text for this? Let's see if Shazad Salim has posted it. Uh, nope, he hasn't. He's just put the Arabic. Thank you very much. Shazad Salim. We'll have to then translate it uh, as we go along. فَتَلْزَمُ الْمَرِيضَ الصَّلَاةُ قَائِمًا فَإِنْ لَمْ يَسْتَطِعْ فَقَائِدًا فَإِنْ عَجَزَ فَعَلَى جَنْبِهِ فَإِنْ صَلَّ مُسْتَلَقِيًا وَرِجَلَاهُ إِلَى الْقِبْلَةِ صح وَيُومِئُ رَاكِعًا وَسَاجِدًا وَيَخْفِدْهُ عَنِ الرُّقُوعِ فَإِنْ عَجَزَ أَوْ مَأَ بِعَيْنِهِ فَإِنْ قَدَرَ أَوْ عَجَزَ فِي أَثْنَائِهَا إِنْتَقَلَ إِلَى الْآخِرِ so a live kind of translation of the cuff would be that the, uh, the sick one, uh, the one who is ill, is obligated to perform the prayer still and to offer that prayer while standing, meaning normal. If he is unable to, then sitting. If he is unable to do that or if he is uh, uh, disabled from doing that, meaning to change the kind of language a little bit, then upon his side, then upon lying upon his side. Um, and if he was to lie down on his back and his feet are towards the qibla, the prayer is valid. Um, and he would gesture, and he would gesture for the ruku' and the sujood, and he would make the sujood less or lower, not less, lower in gesturing, gesturing than the uh, and if he is unable to gesture for this uh, lowering movement, which we'll describe, then he does that gesturing with his eyes, with his eyes. Um, and if he's, un if he's able to pray, he's able to do a particular action, or unable to do a particular action, then he moves to the next one of that level. That statement means that if he is... Uh, if he is sitting and suddenly realizes that he's able to stand, this is what it means by the beginning part, then he has to stand up. And if he is standing and he's unable to stand, then he moves to the next one, meaning he's sitting down. Meaning that you are assessing your prayer all the way through the prayer. Every time that you get worse, you go to the one lower down. And every time you get better, then you go to the one higher up. That's the basic principle uh, of this particular uh, section. Okay, so that's what we're doing. So we covered obviously the first session uh, or the first part of this uh, next week. I'm uh, sorry, last uh, uh, last week. There we go. Mesa's finally found it. Shazad Salim. I don't know what, what he did with it. The one who is sick must pray standing, and if they cannot do that, then sitting, and if they are unable to do that, then by lying down on their side. It is it is also valid if he prays lying down on his back with his feet towards the qibla. He gestures to indicate the bowing and lowers it even more for the prostrating. If he is unable to do that, then he simply indicates with his eyes. During his prayer, if he becomes able or unable to perform it that certain way, 
he moves to the next appropriate method. All right, that's perfect. That's my, that's my, my translation when I'm sitting at home and you know, thinking about it properly as opposed to doing it live. Where are we in the text? We're on page 327 where our author says, فَقَائِذًا يعني sit down seated. What does that mean to sit down seated though? يعني how? Because obviously we already know that we have seated positions. So the classic on your uh, knees in tashahud. Anyone know what this is called? How you sit down and pray? Jalsa. Huh? Jalsa. Yeah, this jalsa is seated. What form of jalsa is this? This is called al-iftirash, right? Muftarishan, which is sitting on your left foot, nice and flat, and the right foot is up like this. Yep, toes towards the qibla, nice. Sometimes people's toes are weak, their thing goes down, down. It doesn't matter, it's still, it's called, still called iftirash. When you are sitting like this on your haunches, this is called in English, this is a position also acceptable. Yeah, like this, you see me, I pray like that all the time. I have two broken bones in my left foot and a torn tendon. I can't sit on it anymore, so I have to sit on it uh, like this. I can only sit like this on my haunches, or I can sit proper tawarruk. Tawarruk is another form of jalsa in which the left foot comes underneath the uh, thigh, the right uh, thigh and calf, and basically your left buttock sits on the floor. It's a far more comfortable position because you're not sitting on your foot, right? Because you know, if you sit on your foot for a long time, it starts to go to sleep. When this foot goes underneath yourself, and then your, your backside is basically on the floor, then there's no pressure on the foot, yep. So that slides under, and then this remains like this. So this is another form of sitting. So the sheikh's answering this question. How should you sit when you are ill? He said, mutarabbi'an, which means you sit cross-legged, okay? Standard cross-legged, happy with that? Yeah, normal cross-legged. When when if I say cross-legged, by the way, you only understand it as one way, right? Yeah, okay. There's no other way of describing that. Okay, so cross-legged is the way that you should uh, uh, sit, which is with the thighs down, with the calves underneath it. This is known as tarabbu, because of the four parts are effectively in play. Two calves, two thighs. That's where the, 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 the name uh, comes from. Sheikh says, is this obligatory to sit like this? Do you must sit in, uh, in a cross-legged position? He goes, no, this is sunnah. This, that if he sits muftarish like this, then that's something which is no problem. And he says, and if he says muhtawiyan, uh, uh, sorry, muhtawiyan, muhtabiyan, okay, then that's like this. Like this, okay, this is muhtabiyan, right? This is when you, what's this called? Come on, Shazadi, this illness is getting to you, man, when you can't even. <laughs> this has a name. Rocking position, huh? A closed sitting. Asif, what were you going to say? No, no, squatting. Come on, bro, squatting. Come on. See, you've never been to the gym before, then, bro. That's a squat. No wonder. Huh? It looks a bit fetal, yeah. Oh, that whole rocking. See, come on, bro. Kind of psychiatrist doesn't know this position now. Come on, man. <laughs> so. Um, Whatever, knees to the chest. I think Fizz has got it there, uh, straight from Milton. Knees to the chest. I'm, I'm happy with that. So even if that's uh, the, the, uh, one of the ways, and you know, um, this, there's a number of um, narrations that discuss this manner of sitting and some of the issues that are associated with it. All right. For example, you know that uh, have you ever seen this done by different cultures that they put a cloth and tie it around, so to to stop uh, the strain on the hands. 
very comfortable actually. If you've done it before, basically you, 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 you get your knees up and you get your, your chadar basically and you wrap it around, it's then tied so you can now relax. It's being held by the, the power of the, the cloth from the back and your arms are free. It's very relaxing. It's actually so relaxing that it is considered by some of the scholars to either be makro or haram to do in the Jum'ah khutbah because there's a specific hadith against it because you fall asleep like that, right? A lot of people, they, if you think about Jum'ah khutbah, you're random when you look, you see a lot of people in that kind of scenario. But the idea has got to be that you're a bit more upright, a bit more flat, a bit more kind of, you know, sitting up a bit more proud as such. All right. Uh, he said, yeah, all of these are no problem. Why? Because the Prophet ﷺ didn't actually specify the type. He said, And if you're unable to pray standing, then pray sitting down. He didn't mention the specific form of the sitting down, and therefore you're okay um, to change it up uh, in itself. Then Sheikh then says, what if someone were to say, okay, then is there a specific evidence then to sit cross-legged? Why did you say cross-legged? And he says, yes. He says that Aisha radiallahu anha in the hadith, uh, which is Sahih, which is Sahih, narrated by Imam al-Nasai, hadith number 1662. The Prophet Aisha anha, she said that I saw the Prophet praying cross-legged. Nice, clear text, no messing about, very straightforward. So the cross-legged position is actually a sunnah position. Um, why is that? Because it's a relaxed one. And the Prophet praying it, we know what he does, we know that he prays most of the night. We were just speaking about this earlier on. In the, in the group du'af about the, the, the night prayer of the Prophet um, And, you know, I said that when you're here, you should make use of these times and strategy, right? When you are in a special place, strategy is very important, right? When you've got limited time, limited energy, and you've got to work out what's best. And your day should be divided when you're in the haram, maximizing the priority, which is the single best act that can be done in the haram, which is the single unique act that can't be done, done anywhere else on the planet, which is tawaf. Done anywhere else is a pure, clean act of shirk. Done here in Mecca is the greatest act that can be done. Every step being rewarded in the way that we know, a reward, a sin removed, etc., etc. So that should be the priority, as many as you can. Seven, un seven units and two prayers. Seven units, two prayers, all day and all night. Except that there are certain times where it doesn't make sense to just do that continuously. And the person will get bored as well, just doing it all the time. Got to mix it up out of strategy. And salah is something which is likewise 100,000 rewards. So you've got that kind of struggle in your head. I want the 100,000 because we're attracted to the whole big ticket kind of you know, events. And then we look at tawaf after a while, we're like, you know, tawaf, right? So it's got to be balanced. The common sense is, is that after fajr, there should be a focus on tawaf. After asr, big focus on tawaf. Because these are two times you can't knock out the big 100,000s. Right? You shouldn't be praying nafil for hundred thousands in these two periods of time. Between Maghrib and Isha, always is super busy for tawaf, no waste of time doing it at that time. And so therefore you should focus on your sunnah prayers because this is also a time for Salatul Awwabin according to many of the Salaf. Then in the night time, in the Qiyamul Layl, we know that this is a time of prayer anyway. And a person, you know, should increase their uh, units. And uh, someone says that no, the Prophet only prayed eight. Right? And there's an argument for that, yeah, that's certainly, there is a good argument for that. But actually what is more uh, clear is that the Prophet ﷺ said that the night prayer is twos and twos, meaning you go as long as you want. And they're like, no, no, you know, we should stick to eight. I said, brother, that's fine, you stick to eight, but you also stick to the way that he performed that eight as well, which is over six hours, bro. 
Then, they, then oh, you know what? I like the 2-2 version better. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem with Pakis. They're always just looking for some kind of way out. So um, we actually know that the Prophet ﷺ did used to pray the night prayer sitting down. And we also know that when he did that, he would do it cross-legged. And the reason for that is because it's the most relaxing way of sitting. Uh, yeah, when you get up, it's a bit, you know, whatever. But whilst you're there in the seated position, it's as relaxing out of the four or five ways that you can sit down as it gets. And obviously, there'll be some variations according to a person's um, uh, need. Um, and Sheikh said that, oh, 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 and uh, it's, he made a really interesting point here as well. He goes, one thing that you've got to focus on here is that we're not talking about the whole prayer now. This is really important. When a person's ill and sick, we're talking about sitting down for the replacement for the qiyam. Okay? Now, if that's the case, that becomes very interesting. That supports the idea of cross-legged even more. Because if you think about the advantages of cross-legged, it's because it's allow, it allows you to recite longer. And the whole point of qiyam as part of the prayer let alone a sunnah or qiyamul layl, but I mean even the obligatory prayer, any prayer, is that the qiyam part is the longest part. Yeah? Uh, because there are limited du'as to make in uh, after at tahiyyatulillah and Allahumma salli ala Muhammad, and then after that you're then moving into uh, your own personal du'a realm. There's not that much du'as to be said, right? Versus Fatiha and then surahs that could last however long you want. So we need, uh, and also add to that ruku'ah. So ruku'ah is not considered to be the seated position in the prayer. Ruku'ah, if you're going to put it into which category, right? Sajda will come into the seated part of the prayer. Whereas uh, the uh, qiyam and ruku'ah, and then coming back up from qiyam, this is all part of the standing aspects. Whereas the sujood, sitting between sujood, sujood, and then the sitting, this is the sitting part of the prayer. And when we're talking about how to replace standing because a person's ill, they can't stand, then we're looking for a particular form of seating which is covering the standing, the ruku' and the standing. And Sheikh Uthameen says that it makes sense for the, the, the style of the seating to be different to the style of the seating that will be in the second part, which we already know is going to be muftarish, right? You're sitting like that with your legs up normally, like that in sajda, then you're back like that between the sajda, then you're back like that in the sajda, then you're back like that for tashahud, right? And so if you're in that kind of normative one, it's almost an additional argument that we should start getting used to sitting cross-legged when we're doing the main part of the prayer, which is the standing part of the prayer, which needs the most relaxation and the most ease on the legs because that's the, the longest uh, qira'ah. Okay? Um, now he says, uh, then he says, in ajaz, yani if he is unable to, or he is, I don't know how to translate that. How did I translate it? Fa'in ajaz, uh, becomes able, no, what did I say? Uh, if they're un, yeah, I just said if unable. <coughs> cannot do an unable, are they the same in English? If you cannot do something, I think I mentioned this last week, right? That I want to indicate that to cannot do something is, yeah, I did. I gave the example where I said that uh, a person who's, a, who's running from a, uh, uh, let's say a gangster's after him, uh, meaning that this guy's innocent and the gangster is, uh, you know, a crook, criminal, and he's looking for you in his prayer time, you can stand up. You are, sorry, you are able to stand up, but he can't because if he stands up, he's going to get caught. So we say he cannot stand up, not that he is unable to stand up. Does that make sense? Yeah? Right. So, so is that right then to compare these two in that way? 
Because now we're talking about he is unable, not cannot do. Sorry, unable. unable. All right. So if he is unable, uh, if he is unable to do that, unable to pray sitting, meaning he's obviously very ill, he can't stand or sit, then ala jambihi. Okay, he has to pray on his side. What side? We don't actually have any clarification from that. The Prophet did not tell us in the hadith that he should be on the left side or the right side. Um, and so therefore, a person has a choice to choose which one they want to do. Now, obviously, when you're saying on the side, we mean like, you know, uh, whether a person uses their arm or not, but if that's the qibla, then they're lying like that. And if that's the qibla, they're lying like that. That's basically what choice you have. However, um, Sheikh says, is, there, is it possible that we can uh, argue which one is better, right? If we don't have any evidence, which one should we go for? What do you think? Right, because? Huh? Because of the what? The Prophet says to sleep like that. Okay, yes, yeah, sleep. Something more, more definitive. We have the hadith which says the Prophet used to like using or utilizing or everything the right as much as possible. That's like a general principle, right? When you're stuck between two scenarios, then you should go for the right, yeah? Or whenever he's got an opportunity to do something, so if he's cutting his nose, it starts with his right. If he's coming his bed, it starts with his right. If he's washing himself, it starts with his right. Obviously, the right hand. Any general, tayammun, yani tayammun, meaning yani to use the right, the yameen, as much as possible, is the sunnah. My question, what is the best in this scenario? Do we think it's just to go straight for the right? Correct. That's the correct answer. The whole point here is that this person is not well. The whole point here is this person is unable. And what we're trying to do, let's go back to our last lesson, is to remember that Khushur is king, queen, and the entire kingdom. Right? Khushur is so important that people can't even, even appreciate how important it is. And as a result of how important it is, we have to make sure we protect it every single way. And if that Khushur is threatened by you, preferring what you think is a sunnah over the actual objective of why you're lying on your side because I could theoretically do it while sitting down but I can't, it hurts, it X, Y, I can't concentrate blah 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 so then you shouldn't be then saying no the right is better, it doesn't matter if it hurts more what if you for example have got a, a pleurisy for example or you have a lung condition or you have some other kind of scenario where the pressure is going to then be more on that side or you have a muscle strain or you have some other condition you're not going to say the right so the point is, is that when you're making the decision on which one to, to uh, lie down on, you lie down on the side which is uh, 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 easier for you. However, if there is um, uh, no difference for him, and he doesn't have a problem with his size, he has a problem with his strength, and actually either way is going to be okay, then the Prophet ﷺ would like, that's the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, that the Prophet ﷺ used to love uh, uh, the right in, in terms of putting on the right uh, slipper first and to comb his beard first and to start with the wudu first and that's everything. And so then we'll go for the, uh, we'll go for the uh, right. Okay? Um, then the author says, فَإِنْ صَلَّ مُسْتَلْقِيًا وَرِجَلَهُ إِلَى الْقِبْلَةِ That if this person now prays, on his back, flat out, with his feet towards the Qibla, the prayer is valid. 
this action is valid. Um, now, the author, this is of course the humbly position, is putting this forward, right? And not clarifying at this moment whether this is a valid third stage or fourth stage. What is this? Because we know that you're meant to start standing, and if you can't, then you start, then you go sitting, and then if not, then you go to lying on your side. That's the hadith. That's the hadith of Imran ibn Hussein, Imran ibn Hussein. That's what the Prophet said. If you can't, then sitting. If you can't, then I'll jump. Didn't mention in the hadith for lying down flat. Our author, however, has kind of just come and joined in the third level this concept of lying on the back. Right? Sheikh Uthameen has stepped in and says, well, I just want to make it clear that, yeah, it's valid, but it's against the sunnah. Meaning that if you are able to do it on the side, then you've got to do it on the side. This is the instruction of the, of the, of the Prophet ﷺ. If you're unable to do it on the side for whatever reason, maybe it's because you know, you've got the uh, issue on the side, then if you do it on your back, then the prayer is absolutely uh, uh, fine. Then the Sheikh says, um, okay, if we are going to do this and we just carry on with the act of uh, 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 lying down, then where is the head? Where will the head be? Well, it's obvious, right? If, if you, if you're, if you, as we've described it, if we said you're lying on your back and your feet are towards the Qibla, then it means your head's that direction. So I'm basically I'm lying out like that. Yeah? So if I'm standing, I'm lying out like that. And the way that the Sheikh, uh, he basically says, is that he goes that if the Qibla is to the east, then your head is directly to the west. It's the exact opposite direction. And he goes, um, he goes the reason it's like this is because this function, this uh, um, uh, form, this form of lying down is the closest possible to standing. Because if we were to go behind this guy and lift him up from his shoulders and stand him up, he's perfectly in line with praying. Does that make sense? If your feet are towards the Qibla. If you were the other way around and that happened, he's basically got his back towards the Qibla. Yeah? That's the reason why when you are praying in this position, you have someone who's very ill and that can't be positioned in this way, we put, we, we put them out in this kind of manner. Especially as well, by the way, in a congregation. If a person found themselves in a congregational situation, obviously the other one might not be as convenient in terms of space and the like. That's something that should be taken into consideration uh, as well. So Sheikh, then he makes this point. He goes that if we look at the lingu- if we literally look at what our author says, then he's kind of indicating that you should pray on your back even if you are able to pray uh, 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 on your side. And he goes, the second opinion in this matter, Sheikh Uthameen says, It is not valid to pray upon your back if you have the ability to pray on your side. Because the Prophet, as I said, he said, if you are unable to, then pray on your side. And this is a nas, this is a definitive text. It's not some kind of qiyas, some analogy, some inference. It's a clear text which is saying exactly there, then to there, the next stage. And um, so the Sheikh says that this is more, um, this position of facing the Qibla is more close to what is meant to be uh, the, the objective behind Salah. That you're facing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because we know many hadith of Allah is in front of the person who is praying. Person's lying there on the back, this is not the way to uh, address Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is in front of a person when he prays. Face uh, towards the, the Qibla, looking towards the Qibla. And of course, the word Qibla means to face a, a certain direction. So that's why that is to be always be preferred. 
i.e. the class position is one only prays on their back if they are unable to pray on their side. Is that clear, everybody? Very yani, uh, simple um, uh, kind of uh, conclusion. Um, so then Sheikh says, we can now summarize our, our uh, stage-to-stage kind of uh, uh, positions um, that a person should pray standing. If he is unable to, then he sits down. If he is unable to, then he does it on his side. If he is unable to, then he lies flat on his back with his feet towards the uh, qibla. Four levels, four stages, according to the most authentic opinion. That's Sheikh Uthameen's position. It's also the class position. As for the Hanbali school, and specifically, obviously there's a little bit of difference in the Hanbali school as well, but Imam al-Hijjawi, our author's position, what are his levels? He says you pray standing, all right? And if not, then you pray sitting. And if not, then you have the choice between three uh, at level three, either to pray on the side or to pray on the uh, back. And uh, there's no difference between the two, and we politely disagree with that. The next thing is gesturing. And then he gestures. Um, how does a person uh, gesture? This is specifically now referring to the ruku and the sujood. If you are not standing, then automatically, whether you are sitting, whether you are lying on the side, whether you're lying on your side, or whether you're lying flat on your back, whatever you do is not going to be the ruku or it's not going to be the sujood. So somehow we have to manipulate your body in order to try to represent a ruku and a sujood. If you're standing, you're going to do it one way or the other. But if you're lying down or sitting down, it's not going to be the actual thing itself. So just a gesture is sufficient. Sometimes people get this, you know, a bit carried away with this, and they try to really strain to make the difference. This is pointless because you can strain as much as you want, bro. You're still not yani, doing sujood, right? You're still not going anywhere near ruku. So don't kill yourself over it. Just whatever your your ruku is, make your sujood a little bit a little bit more. So trying to go, this is ruku. that, bro. Just relax. Yep. So that's the uh, uh, objective in terms of the. Uh, 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 the, the gesturing And this uh, statement of making The sujood akhfad yani Meaning less so yeah, no, Not less so uh, Lower right, is, is, is the overall uh, Kind of uh, uh, objective And this is as I said If a person is unable to do it And of course the underlying qaida uh, The underlying maxim is Fear Allah as much as you can As Allah says in the uh, Quran if a person is unable to do that, okay, then, uh, so, so first of all, uh, um, why is it that this would happen? We do have people who have, you know, uh, either uh, surgery in the head, surgery in the eye, especially eye surgery, in which the lower that you go, then the pressure increases and it can really hurt. And again, this is important. You don't have to be dying to be able to take use of this, yeah? A lot of people... Kind of interesting, there's a kind of like a, a reticence to kind of mess around the prayer because it's so sacred in their kind of culture. And I mean that, like I just said it, because the prayer is sacred without doubt, but they over-sacredness it, okay? In their culture where they will rather die than to do a little few kind of permissible moves. And so you do see people, like I remember when my father um, had COVID, we were in Dubai, uh, we just escaped yani, uh, Egypt Don't ask how we did that And 
But we got there and we knew that we couldn't go as far as England, so we, thought, we said that we're going to use Dubai as our kind of quarantine uh, location. Uh, that was right in the middle of COVID where you had to like, you know, wait 10 days, 15 days, blah, blah. And my dad is old, old school, over sacredness, eyes is the whole thing, right? So the idea of sitting down in a prayer is like, you know, just kill me now, right? So he's like, I'm standing, I'm praying with this, whatever. So I'm, I'm praying next to him, and he's absolutely all over the place. And I just couldn't, I, I couldn't concentrate on my prayer. So I, I linked, so I, I actually linked his arm, and I'm praying, leading the salah like this, with him linked. And you know what I was thinking, I was so stressed about the situation because, you know, you know your dad and you know what the, the whole kind of scenario is. Many times in his life he's been ill where he needs to do it, but completely refuses. And at some point you just say, all right, whatever then. Okay, khalas. But the first time in his life that he was so ill is the blessing of COVID that he actually listened to me entirely. So when we finished this salah, I said, dad, are you going to go through that bakwas again now? He goes, I go to him, listen, you're going to stand right next to me. There's a chair, a chair right there. This is where you're going to sit down on khalas. So he goes, okay then. And wallah, I was like so shocked when he said that. He goes, okay then. It's that was at that moment that I realized the guy's got old now, miskin. He's not given up now. He's like, you know what? I've now lost my own Giovanni and my resistance is gone now. So I said, alhamdulillah, good. So he, uh, you know, and this just goes to show, it's the same as, you know, the Pakis on diabetic medication, whatever, what, I'm going to fast, I'm going to fast, I don't care if I die, I'm fasting. Bro, what, <laughs> Allah tells you what to do and you want to kill yourself over fasting, right? It's just one of those things. Anyway, um, so the idea has got to be that um, uh, uh, the, it doesn't need to be causing damage, damage. This is also important. It's not like about really hurting. and It's got to cause damage long term that you might not hurt from now. It's a level of discomfort that is really affecting the quality of your prayer. And I think I told you that I always call a person out that's next to me when I see them sitting in pain. I'm always like, listen, is there a reason you're sitting like that? I always make sure that I find that out first. And if they say, no, I'm in so much pain, blah, de, blah, I say, bro, please sit like this for this length of time. Don't worry. Don't feel guilty. You're not going to pray like that forever. Right? And I don't even know where the, the thing is. It's not like I'm telling you for the rest of your life you can sit like that. For the next one, two weeks, knock yourself out. Just pray like this. Yeah. All right. Um, so, uh, 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 so the sheikh says that you just got to make sure that you indicate the ruku' less than the qiyam and that the sujood is less than the ruku' each yani move is a little bit more uh, 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 than the other Sheikh said, how do you gesture this? what does it mean to gesture? I'll put it to you, what do you guys think gesturing means? so the body the body, alright? the finger put your hands up if you think the finger just one Okay, put your hands up if you think the body. Okay, any other solution? No, no, this is before eyes. This is before eyes and head. No, 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 that's obviously coma levels. That's, that's para, 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 paralysis levels. I'm talking about full use of your body. So you, huh? Just limbs. So, more th so in between then. So not the body, but a significant part of the body and not just the finger basically. All right, that's a good medium position. So you've got basically the full body, then you've got like uh, significant parts of the body like with hands and stuff, and then we've got the finger as a, uh, a bare uh, minimum. Uh, Iram is saying the, 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 the head and the body, so same with Lama, same with Iram, Ilya saying the same. And um, 
Yeah, yeah, something like that. Sheikh makes a point. He goes, what's absolutely fascinating is that when you go to all cultures and you ask them this question, the dominant answer is the finger, right? Because you can almost see it, like, you know, like that, and then like that. And obviously, this is about a person who's not able to move, obviously, yeah? So he's, you know, using the finger. And he goes, what's fascinating, he goes, is that this has never, ever, ever, ever been an answer Neither from the Sunnah, neither from the Salaf, neither from Sahaba, neither from the scholars. Never discussed it ever. Never. It's always about the body. And it's the body movements that are, is the focal point. Not hands, not this, not that. None of that. Okay? It's the body itself. Now, obviously, those who study Fiqh Salah in the Al-Maghrib, in a complete version, obviously, we're doing this for the first time here in LP. But you'll know that I am showing you that it was the body. Right? Uh, and that the hands themselves are not actually that important, but the hands can almost follow like the body position. So if, if you go for a court here, then we might as well put your hands on your knees, right? But you don't need to, right? Or, or maybe I should say even better is that for, for sujood, I'm definitely going to go even further down. Now here, you've got two options. You either keep your hands on your knees, then you might kind of say, well, it's kind of a bit like the ruku, isn't it? So then you do this whole behavior, right? So I just want you to know that this whole move with the hands, that's not a sunnah, or that's not something which is narrated, even though I say you should do that. I only say that you should do that to help differentiate from the ruku'ah, but I want to make it clear that that's just in your head. From a sunnah point of view, your hands can stay there absolutely 100%. So your, stand, your hands remaining on your knees, this is ruku'ah, and this is sujood, absolutely fine. Don't at any moment think that you've got to bring your hands up up, down, back, whatever, because it's not about the hands, not about the finger, it's about the body itself. And on that basis, Sheikh Uthameen says that if a person is sitting there, you know, cross-legged, so if he was sitting there cross-legged, his hands would be like this, yeah? And then he would go a little bit in, and then something Allah and then he would go in for sajda like this. There'd be no need to lift up the hands, and if he did, that's fine. If a person is lying down on the right-hand side, and, uh, or the left-hand side, what would happen there, he's got two options, isn't it? What's the body movements that could, that could happen if you're on your right? Or on your side, I should say. What could happen? Sorry? What does bend forward mean if you're like that? If you're on your side, your torso bending which way? What does forwards mean? Show me your by your hand. What do you mean? So I'll reproduce it. Yeah, so that's the first one, okay? So the first one which is being put forward by Zamarina is that it goes like that, okay? And then like that, I'm assuming, yeah? So uh, a, a slight kind of, yeah, a slight crouch in for the ruku', then straighten back out again, and then a much deeper kind of one for the sajda. That's basically what you're saying. So you like that, and you go that for the ruku', then you come back out, then you go like that for the sujood, basically. You're, you're kind of crunching yourself up. What's the other option? The other option, the scholar said, is that a person goes more to the floor. So if you're on your, on your back, then you go like that for the ruku'ah, then you come back up again a bit more, and then you go kind of closer to the floor. Sheikh Uthameen says there's no doubt that the first one is the right one, that your body should be doing the movement, just like as if you're sitting or whatever. Now just turn it around, same thing. So it's almost a crunch and a proper crunch to indicate like the sajda whilst you are... Um, uh, 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 in this kind of uh, position. And yeah, he says, Al-Jawab, إِنَّهُ إِمَاءٌ بِالرَّأْسِ إِلَى الصَّدَرِ It's the head moving closer to the chest each time to indicate 
the next kind of stage. All right? Um, then the Sheikh says, and if he's unable, the, the author says, and if he's unable to do all of that, gesture, move the body, everything, because he's that ill, he's that yani, weak, and the, and the rest of it, then with his eyes. Then with his eyes. Um, how do you do it with your eyes? What do you think? Blink. Blink. Okay. Yeah, the scholars are talking about lowering the gaze, but lowering the gaze is not, it's like um, a semi-closing. That's what they mean by uh, uh, gesturing or lowering. Right? So not blinking, like blink twice, and if you're thinking of blink three times for such that like some kind of code. <laughs> There's no code for that. But the, uh, the idea, I think, is like this, furuqur, and then you open it up. That's what Sheikh says. So if you go, he goes that, فَإِذَا أَرَادَ أَنْ يَرْقَ أَغْمَضَ عَيْنَيْهِ يَسِيرًا He goes, when he goes for ruku, so if a person is sitting there, then uh, 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 he would basically do this, Allahu Akbar, and then, سَمِيَ اللَّهُ لِمَنْ حَمِيدُ سُبْحَانَ رَبِّ الْعَظِيمِ in that, in that thingy, and then he opens his eyes wide, سَمِيَ اللَّهُ لِمَنْ حَمِيدُ رَبَّنَا وَلَكَ الْحَمْدُ And then he closes it like proper, سُبْحَانَ رَبِّيَ الْأَعَلَى And then, Allahu Akbar, and then, Allahu Akbar, سُبْحَانَ رَبِّيَ الْأَعَلَى So, the idea for ruku is that it's like that. Just يعني, a little bit left. This is what the person would indicate according to the scholars. Of course, um, it can be argued that this doesn't have direct evidence, but there is an actually a hadith. There is a hadith. The Prophet said, If he is unable to, then he uh, uh, indicates with his eyelids, basically. But this hadith is weak uh, and, and not acceptable as an evidence. But the point is, is that even a weak hadith in the presence of an area in which there's no other kind of guidance gives the scholars something to basically use. And therefore, you see that all of the discussion is about the nature of the eyes and how you uh, basically um, uh, uh, manipulate the, 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 the eyes, if you like. Um, so, so Sheikh says, there are some people that said this, looked at this hadith and looked at this action and said, we're not having this. Where did you get this idea? And this is important, by the way, because we're still talking about fiqh and halal and haram and how to do things. And if nothing has been revealed, then remember that everything in terms of ibadah is tawqifi, meaning that if you don't have a narration, you don't go ahead. By the way, uh, this water is for aslot, by the way. If people are thirsty, then this water is to be drunk because it's been paid for, okay? And so if you don't drink it, I'll be very upset. I won't be actually, but it's not, it's not, I didn't pay for it, but someone did. So, um, they said that in the absence of any kind of narration or basis, why are you uh, 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 using the eyes? No. If you can't move, you don't need to do any action of the prayer. Yani all actions of the prayer have been lifted from him. So it's like saying, what they're basically saying is that where did you get that the eyes are the last final frontier of the prayer? There's no evidence for that. Once you've gone from every other physical movement being disabled, there's, there's no need to be playing around with the eyes, no basis for it. The majority are saying, no, no, eyes are still movement, there's still some good indication there with eyes, and we're going to go with the eyes as the final frontier, basically the final stop. 
before we start getting into real kind of extreme fatwa zone about what we're doing for a person that is in such a state of illness, comatose, paralysis, blah, blah. Comatose is not the right word because obviously you wouldn't be awake for being comatose, but some level of paralysis or some level of major, major injury where you're not able to connect to your, your motor function. Yeah? Um, Sheikh says, some scholars went as far as saying that if a person cannot use his eyes, oh, sorry, if a, if a person cannot use his head, like we said, remember that the head is moving to the chest, whether in sitting or whether in lying. He doesn't go to the eyes. Prayer has been lifted from him. You know who said that? Sheikh Islam ibn Taymiyyah. It's a big, big call and a controversial position. It's a very famous one as well. And we don't think that's the correct one. Allah knows best. He's basically saying that if a person gets to the stage of can't move his body, then what, is, what, what does moving the eyes mean anyway? And he doesn't need to pray. It's a big statement. Sheikh Uthameen says, okay, well, now we can say that there are now three positions on the matter. Let's study each of these three positions to work out what do we do when a person can't move his body or his head or anything at all. Where do we go? Al-Qawl al-Awwal, the first statement in the issue is that uh, if he can't move his body, he moves his eyes and he prays with his eyes. Clear? That's number one. The second position is that if he can't move his head, then what's the point of the eyes? He doesn't need to do any actions of the prayer. He's got to pray, but he doesn't need to do any of the actions. He's got to make sure he says everything. So the uh, aqwal, they remain, but the af'al, the actions, they're lifted. Is that clear, the second position? And the third position is the one that's held by Ibn Taymiyyah, and that is if he can't even move his head, that little tiny movement. By the way, when we say moving head, we don't mean this much, we're talking this much. Right? That much. If you can't even move the head that much, what's left to this guy? And there is no prayer for him, Aslan. The prayer is lifted from him, and as I said, Ibn Taymiyyah is the holder of this position. Sheikh Uthameen says that the strongest opinion to me, the Rajih, is the second one. And that's our class position as well. And he said that, that in this scenario, where a person is uh, unable to... Uh, so, actually... What this position is, is that this is now not using the eyes. Okay? So, Sheikh Uthameen is one of these people that said this hadith is weak, and in the absence of any authentic hadith, why are we going to the eyes anyway? It makes sense to go with the, 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 the chest and the head and the body, but after that, eyes is just like, you know, it's like a theoretical kind of concept, and we don't need to go there. This person doesn't need to do any actions of the prayer. However, everything else needs to remain. The niyyah to pray starts, Allahu Akbar, Subhanakallahumma, alhamdulillah, Allahu Akbar, just basically saying the whole prayer standing, or sitting, or whatever the position, sorry, that you're in, you just recite the whole prayer from beginning to end. Is that clear? This is the position before you, uh, uh, in place of the eyes. This is Sheikh Uthameen's uh, uh, position. Why? Because Allah said, Fattakullah, fear Allah as, you much, as much as you possibly can. So, Kabbir Waqra, one will ruku'ah, he goes that, that, so therefore, say Allah Akbar, start reciting. When it comes to ruku'ah, think that you are making ruku'ah, you're not moving, doing anything, but you just intended to go into ruku'ah. Say that which is in the ruku'ah, etc. And then think that you're going into sajda, play the moves out basically in your head and carry on doing that all the way. Then Sheikh says, what if this person is so ill that he can't move 
and he can't speak either. So he has no aqwal and he has no uh, af'al either. No af'al, sorry, and he has no aqwal either. What should this person do? Should he think it through? Should he think it through? He goes, yeah. He goes that the taskut anhu, yani he's been relieved from actions and statements, but he has to make the intention. The intention has got to be there that I am praying, that I want to pray. The fact that he can't say anything or do anything is in its uh, right uh, place. So he intends that he's in the salah, he intends yani, the recitation, he intends yani, the ruku' and the sujood, and the qiyam and the qu'ud. This is the most correct opinion on the matter. Basically plays out the whole prayer without saying a single thing, without doing a single thing. Um, and this is because obviously all of these statements and all these actions are based upon niyyah anyway. And if all of these yani, uh, get taken away, then the niyyah is the only thing which is left and it's the most powerful aspect about which the prayer can't be prayed anyway. So why should that be uh, 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 taken away? So... Also, uh, 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 why is this important? It's the same as how we treat you know, those women that go through menstruation, those women that go through postpartum, um, how we look at the fiqh of these scenarios and other scenarios as well, where there's, two, there's always two kind of viewpoints. You can either be what seems to be quite a conservative, restrictive viewpoint on uh, a hadith and, and the fiqh surrounding a menstruating woman, she can't do this, can't do that, can't do this, can't do that. And, you know, you can read the fiqh in that manner. The second alternative, which I wholeheartedly would embrace, is especially in our time, this is important, especially in our era, where it's not any religious environment, we don't live amongst Muslims, don't get the daily reminders and the things, is that if we were to leave all this off as well, deen yani being put to the side becomes very easy. There's a habit at the end of the day, right? And okay, she does not praying in her menses, that's fine. But if we take off qira'ah from her as well, recitation from her as well, dhikr from her, what's left yani, to a person? And so, Sheikh says the same about this uh, ill one, that if we, you know, just because he's ill, we now take away because he can't speak, he can understand, he's listening to me, understanding everything I'm saying to him, but he can't speak or he can't pray the prayer. If we would say to him, don't do anything, Within one day, he's, he's going to live a whole day without any kind of mention of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like, it's impossible for a believer yani, to not be in touch with Allah on a day, a whole day. Can you imagine? You're not realizing this, but your whole day is full of mention of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It might not be in the positive. Yeah, it might be that, you know, you're on the back foot defensive trying to think, oh my God, I'm in big trouble. But the point is that he's still there, isn't he? He's a constant in your life. If we take out salah, which is the one way, one moment where you're kind of forced to embrace that situation, whether you like it or not, and be accountable for yourself at that moment, then this person's got nothing left. And so he makes a really nice point, and he says that, uh, 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 you know, this person will forget Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All right? And if a person believes that even in that scenario that they've still got to pray, they're feeling more even connecting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like even in this situation, I have to be aware of you. Well, khalas then. It's a, it's a nice point, that, to be honest. Yeah? Um, and he goes, he goes, how can anybody compare this to saying he doesn't even need to pray. So a person still thinking, I've got to pray, I've got to pray, even if he's praying in my head and feels that pressure and that stress, how can we say that's the same as saying, there's no prayer upon you, chill, bro. Do you know what I mean? So I think that's, uh, he goes, this is definitely more authentic and more correct than the, the position of Ibn Taymiyyah in the issue. And as long as a person has aql and the intellect is there, ability to understand is there, and this is what we're going to say.
Um, uh, finally, I think we'll say, um, if a person is, yeah, uh, let's, let's do this last part, part. This is the bottom of page uh, 333, Mas'ala. What if a person is unable to, um, so a person is unable to stand for the entire raka'ah, okay? So we're doing it, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, let's take a night prayer, for example, or not even a night prayer, let's just make it, let's make it too easy. Let's just say any prayer, and the first raka'ah that he's about to pray. And he approaches his first rakah and he knows that he doesn't have the ability to stand for the entire rakah. He's got in his head that this is going to be the prayer in which I'm going to be praying, you know, maybe, um, I don't know, let's just say, like, Surah Dukhan, for example, a couple of pages, whatever. And, you know, so you know roughly what his plan is. And he knows that I'm not going to uh, uh, be able to stand the whole rakah. There's two approaches to this now, isn't there? Okay, physically. He's either going to do what? Number one, start sitting down, yeah, and then do what? What would be the what would be the approach of this if you start sitting down? Huh? Stay sitting? No, no. We're talking about a person who has the ability to stand, but not the whole rakah. So there's only two approaches to how he's going to pray this first rakah, right? So the first is to stay sitting, start sitting down, and. And stand when he can. And that's exactly what the Prophet ﷺ did. He started sitting down. Okay? Let me read the uh, hadith to you. If we, the Sheikh says, um, uh, how are we going to look at this? So where we can do it the first way, which is to start sitting down. And then when you get to the ruku', then you stand up. Or just before the ruku', you stand up. This is the first option. Where did this come from? The Prophet ﷺ, he was praying Qiyamul Layl. And as he started to get older, and therefore weaker, now think about that, older. What was older uh, prophet? That's like 61, 62. Think about that. Whereas we'd be thinking that we can only use this if we're like 80 or 90. Again, we make ourselves more religious than the religion itself, right? This is a culture problem. Think about that. Anyway, um, and he was very strong at that age as well, by the way, right? Anyway, so he would pray Qiyamul Layl sitting down. فَإِذَا بَقِيَ عَلَيْهِ مِنَ السُّورَةِ ثَلَاثُونَ أَوْ أَرْبَعُونَ آيَةً قَامَ فَقَرَأَهُنَّ ثُمَّ رَكَعَ Hadith narrated by Bukhari. It's Hadith al-Bukhari, by the way. So when he got older, he would start the Qiyam layl sitting down. And then when he gets to, you know, and as I said, this is all about planning. So he knows roughly what I've got to recite. When there's about 30 or 40 verses left, he stands up. So he stands up, and then he finishes off the, the surah, uh, standing, but the key is that he gets his ruku' improperly. That's the key that I want you to focus on. That he does a proper ruku'. This is version number one, right? So the sunnah is that you start sitting, then you stand. The second approach, which is also very interesting, that Shaykh Uthameen would even consider a second approach when you've only got one option from the Prophet. So I put to you, what is the second approach and how would that be justified? On what basis? Because what? You thought you were okay? No. So remember, we know we're not okay. We're coming into this issue knowing we're not okay, knowing that we can't stand for all of it. That's, we already know that. 
Yes. All right? Okay, back to you. Standing. Yes. Now you've got to put forward this mail. What the basis for that is? When I've told you that the Prophet started sitting. All right, so, so look, right? Let's, let, let, me, let, me, let me make the question more specific. You know that you can stand, but not for long. And, so you, and you know that the effort of getting back up and down is, 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 only, is only one stop shop, okay? So, you've got to make a judgment call on which one you find more important ultimately. At which point you want to be standing. That's effectively the question I'm asking. If we look at the first approach, the Prophet ﷺ clearly prioritized what? The ruku'ah. The ruku'ah. And that's why he started sitting, so that he could stand up and then do a proper ruku'ah. What would a second approach be? Fatiha is a ruku'ah, okay. But Fatiha is a ruku'ah regardless of? So that you, you've missed the statement then. Rethink the statement that you want to make. No, no. You're on the right thing, but then you went. I think it, it, it depends. Are you just using like, um, you know, a Fatima and a cloth? Can you just transfer that? Or are you using no, no, let's keep it simple, man. Let's keep it uh, standardized. I, I said to a couple of pages. We've got 30, 40 to recite. Which are the two, uh, two ways we can approach this? Standing, huh? Standing is a rukun. Carry on. Develop the argument. So you prioritize that. This is where you, I said that you went two stages forward. Because Fatah is rukun, but not necessarily standing. You need to start one step before that. So Sheikh Uthameen says, he goes, the way that we solve this issue is to work out the two viewpoints. The first viewpoint is just to look at what the Prophet did. Now a person might say, well, what else do you want to look at? But then we could say that the Prophet actually was not doing this on a way of obligation, but rather showing an option way of doing it. Because the second viewpoint is to look at the importance of standing and say that if the standing itself is a rukan, then we should try to get that under the belt and prioritize that. And then when you become tired, then it becomes off you. Does that make sense? If you think about it, it's a very strong argument. And you think, how can an argument be so strong? And the Prophet ﷺ, on the other hand, starts sitting down. I found this very interesting, right? And... So I'm going to read to you verbatim what Sheikh Uthameen says on this issue. He goes, so a sunnah is that a person starts sitting down, then he stands. But if we look at the qiyam from an obligation point of view, and that is a rukan, we'll say that you must then start with the rukan, and then when it becomes difficult upon you, then sit down, because Allah said, فَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ So basically, he's almost saying that the first one is a sunnah example in the story of the Prophet and the second one is what's established in the Qur'an. You know what I'm saying? It's like almost playing that versus that. And we'll also say, perhaps that, uh, uh, he goes, you know what? There are so many, uh, as uh, Lama said, there are like, there's assessments to be made here. You know, each point that, you know, Sometimes a person will think I'll make it, then he might not. Sometimes a person will know from the beginning that he's feeling weak. He goes, this situation requires tahrir. Tahrir basically means that you look to your scenario and you work out what's best. 
You look at your, look at your situation and you work out what you're going to achieve most. He goes, so whoever looks at this scenario according to the, the action of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, then he's going to, uh, in Qiyamul Layl, then he's going to consider that the best position and the strongest position is to start sitting down. For, and then as soon as he gets close to the ruku, he stands up and that's it. But whoever looks at this from the point of view that the Qiyam is a rukan, then this one should start standing and then as soon as he feels tired, because maybe he might not feel tired, that's what his point was. He goes, a person will stand, might not even feel tired, and then he actually fulfills the ruku, the rukan, uh, the, the ruku as well. This is why Shaykh Uthameen is kind of leaning uh, to this uh, uh, position. But then at the end, he kind of pulls another one and he goes, well, however, we've got to say that the first position, the position of the Prophet ﷺ, absolutely confirms that he will do the ruku, right? At least we know that definitely he will do a proper ruku, whereas in the second scenario, he's going to do the ruku with a gesture. This is, you know, what did I say? Six of one and a half dozen of the other. Wallahu a'lam. Good answer. Good. Yes, very good. Uh, what Shazad said, just for the sake of the of the recording, is that if a person knows that this is a situation that they're facing, where they're having to make decisions on, you know, what, you know, what kind of record can he make? What kind? Why is he praying? You know, night prayer. Anyway, you know, you know the answer to that, don't you? The answer to that is that the Prophet was addicted to the prayer, and theoretically, so should we be. And the idea of being ill does not take away from for, uh, uh, of filling up our time with good stuff. What we're talking about here is that if it's an obligatory prayer in a tight kind of time, uh, time, time, tight time moment, and the person has you know limited kind of uh, ability, then it makes sense. But if we start to widen it out to Qiyamul Layl, for example, and a person having energy and not issue of tired at all, but just inability, then the discussion is not so relevant. Yeah? Questions, guys? Yes. What does cannot mean? See, this is the un unable and the cannot thing, right? Uh, what does that mean? What, what? Unable. Unable. So physically unable. Oh, you're saying a person starts standing and then uh, unable to get up. Yeah, then that's, that this is the exact chapter that establishes this person should remain sitting. That's why I said to this why I said to Lema when we were trying to find her chair. I said that in the absence of a chair, okay. Obviously, this will we'll develop this. And Iram's asking the question as well: Can you do stand, sit, stand? You can do. Uh, 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 that's coming next week about how you do and adjust in the prayer. We still haven't spoken about the chair, and that's going to come up over the next few weeks. The chair in this whole situation is sitting down. If the Prophet ﷺ had actually said mutarabi'an, or, or well, then we'd be in trouble. Because he said sitting down and left it generic and open, the chair gets a showing. But we need to remind ourselves that whilst the, the chair, and this is my pet peeve, and you would have seen that I recorded a proper session in the Fiqh Salah 
on the chair and all of the, the meanings and the uses and the positions of it, whilst reminding everybody that, you know, there are some people that believe that there were no chairs at the time when the Prophet Honestly, it's crazy. They think that, you know, there were no chairs. And we don't have a single narration of the Prophet using a chair to sit down. Or not just a chair, even anything. All the sitting down aspects were on the floor, right? So, um, I do think we need to give that some importance. At the same time, thankfully, the fact that he left it open, just saying sitting down, means that the chair is included in that as well. And if the chair is included in it as well, then when it's available, we can use it. Is that clear? Now, we ask the question, if we are someone who can't you know, uh, stand, then in this particular situation, we can't find a chair, person basically stands for as long as they can and then sits down, or they start from the beginning sitting down, and they never need to worry about getting up. Simple as that. Yeah? Questions? Yes, Noreena, yeah. Noreena, Noreena, at the back, yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. So I guess that that You mean in the prayer, you mean? In the prayer. Yeah, yeah. You had to basically sit out with the legs out. Yeah. Not get up and just sit up Yes. That's correct, yeah. So when a person gets to the floor, uh, they're either going to pray normal sitting down without the feet out until they come to a situation where they can't pray sitting down and the feet have to go out, then the feet go out. And you remain seated and you finish the prayer off. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously this is in the absence of a chair and uh, you can't get back up. And then that's something which is acceptable. So the question is, is that are the four courts of the masjid areas of prayer and part of the masjid uh, the answer is no, they're not until inside it is full or you are being prevented from being let inside. This is my position. My position is that a person shouldn't, I can't say can't, shouldn't just go out and sit and plonk himself down in the outside court, right? Uh, in the designated areas, just like that. Ho uh, uh, so there's, there's two types of people that do that. The first one, is one who does that because they don't have any intention going inside. And the second person who does that is the one who knows, certainly, that they're going to close the, the door and you know, they're not going to let you in. So I'm just basically saving my time and I'm praying here. It's a very risky approach of trying to confirm 100,000 or in Medina, 1,000 for your prayer. A very risky approach. Because how do you know? This is based upon effort. We know so many times that actually they don't bl block you in. They've given you plenty of opportunity. The people's ignorance of, I don't want to miss the uh, takbir to the ihram, and I don't want to move after that, and I don't want to. This is not right. A person should at least stand for one raka'ah or the length of a time of one raka'ah, make the effort to get into the masjid and get further down. And we've said before that a person, you know, in these masajid, very easily you could spend the next 10 minutes, let alone the four raka'ah, keep going and filling gaps. You could end up right to the Kaaba without any difficulty because gaps are always there. And that obviously is against the objective of praying because the whole point of the prayer is to pray, not to either move in the prayer or to spend the whole time just trying to straighten lines. The prayer is the focus. So we'll say that person spends maybe a raka'ah right, of time 
trying to get to a good position. That's okay, whether outside of the prayer or inside the prayer. But a person should show the effort. Um, this is my opinion. There are some scholars that said no, that the whole entirety of Mecca is the is the uh, is the masjid and is the reward and wherever you pray and whatever. And this is getting too funky for me, right? A congregation is a congregation. It's got to be connected. Certain one of us yani, decided to pray in a certain, yani, uh, some you know, panoramic view, kind of hookup, whatever, and said I can see the people, <laughs> so I'm part of the congregation. After we spent one year speaking about this subject, that's the, that, that I think that was the, the my favorite part of who was the one who was telling me. This whole idea of, of course, seeing the congregation is an argument, by the way. It is. What, what's the definition of connected lines, right? Because when you, even if you think about it, right? If someone says that I'm in the room, in, if I'm in the prayer room in the hotel, yeah, the, the musallas, and I can see the prayer line, that's not actually that far different from the people who are praying in a courtyard and can't even see the line inside, actually. All they see is the darkness of the arch, right? You know, the way light works. You can't see all the people inside, but we're basing the prayer's validity on the fact that well, you probably can see the last person, but if you can't, actually the authorities have stopped you going in anyway, right? So this discussion does belong there. Obviously, we reject it entirely. We said a congregation is exactly what the word said. It's a congregation. It's not based upon some technical spotting. You know, what if a person's got the craziest eyesight and he's about seven miles away and from a, from a mountaintop, you can see the guy there. He goes, yeah, you know what? Me and him are connected because I can see him. The whole thing is crazy, bro. Sorry, I just want to also make clear about what the consequence is. People think that the prayer is invalid. No, it's the congregation which is not written. Yeah, that's, that's an important uh, point. Yeah, the actual prayer itself is, is, uh, is written. It doesn't need to be repeated. And Sheikh Uthameen himself stated that. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. This person needs to just be confident, pray by himself, alone, in his room. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows why he came, what he'd be doing if he was well, what he was doing before that moment. That's the hadith, what a person does when they are stable and well, and then when they're unable to do that, then Allah writes for them the reward. This is what a person should feel comfortable with. But you know what, people are like, you know, they kind of panic, right? They kind of like, you know, that's why I said before that people don't believe this hadith like they should. Very interesting, and that comes from our culture. Our culture is that, as I said before, we feel that we are more religious than the religion itself. The deen is telling you clearly if you do a habit and you do it regular and you want to do something and you're stopped from doing it, you get the full reward. You don't need to kill yourself over it. Yeah, uh, coming back to what you said earlier on Yeah, we covered this last week. We said that the uh, um, oh, I don't know what's happened to that. It's, it's paused for some reason. Um, we covered this last week, and we said that um, this is one of the justifications for a person sitting down because they feel that the the pressure, psychological pressure, upon them too much. 
Yeah, we think there's some basis for that. If a person really can't feel that they're going to stand up and so nervous and so stressed out by the whole thing, then I think it's okay. Yeah. Correct, correct. That's the exact correct application of this chapter, that you do what you are able to do. And certain people in certain conditions can, they can't stand up, but they can go for sujood because the strength that's required to stand up is far, far more difficult than to just to manipulate to a sajda position. Zamarina. Yeah, same, same as what we just heard. Cannot um, and uh, inability are two different things that are, that are both covered. Cannot, yani, whether due to fear, cannot whether due to being imprisoned, cannot uh, due to uh, some other kind of uh, uh, mental, psychological, uh, situational reason. And then inability is the physical inability to be able to actually do it because you don't have the the ability, the strength, you're ill, whatever. Yeah, depending depending upon their ability, yes. So, for example, if you're talking about someone who is, um, you know, uh, 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 at the, because each situation will be different. If there's a person who is at the point of death from, from a threat, and they're trying to, you know, find out whether this person prays, for example. And, you know, they're watching them the whole day, you know, and they're going to shoot you in the head, for example, if you pray. And obviously that's one of the examples where a person's statements and everything are lifted and the person does the whole thing in their head. That would be the exact equivalent, yeah, if that situation came up. Um, and, uh, but, uh, so yeah, Fizza makes a point that we don't know, maybe Rasulullah was maybe feeling weaker when he started while sitting, but started feeling better slowly, hence, and stood up. This would only be valid if it was happening once, but we have uh, a suggestion that this happened more than once. So, I'm not sure, quite, quite possibly. And Suraya asked the question, can this method be used in long taraweeh prayers? Absolutely. Yeah, and women can do that. Actually, I'm sure you must see that in taraweeh all the time. You see these people, you know, who's sitting down, and then they kind of... Um, I want to differentiate between... The, the uncles in the line that do this and the little rats at the back end who do this, yeah? yeah I think there's a big difference between them because I used to be one of those rats. I'll be at the back, yani, you know, and then I see, what would we know? We didn't even know the Quran at, the, at, the, at that time, but what we did know is that when the Imam slows down, uh, then we know that, oh my God, <laughs> leg it in, straight in for the Rukur. And that's different from, yani, miskin uncle next to you who He's sitting down, then suddenly you see him stand up and do the request exactly for that person. Yeah. Yeah, in the scenario where the prayer started while sitting. Yes. Yeah, so so accordingly, yes. According to this situation, yes. Now obviously this is made easier by the fact that it's a nafal prayer, right? And that's why it is interesting that he brought this discussion in 
when we know that the Prophet ﷺ in the normal obligatory prayer was standing most of the time. But then he is also saying that this happened when he grew older, so maybe that's something as well. Allah Alam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's a fantastic question, actually. It's a fantastic question that um, if a person is praying in congregation but due to X, Y, Z reason didn't, you know, uh, fulfill the conditions of the congregation, have they really just only lost the congregational reward or have they lost the prayer because they didn't recite the Fatiha? Which goes to show why the scholars who obligate Fatiha obligate Fatiha, right? so that a person is able to achieve that. In my opinion, I think no, because they were not expecting this situation. This is like an emergency scenario. The logic is with Latifa, what she says. The fatwa or the ruling from our scholars is the opposite to that. They said that in this scenario, if a person didn't do that, it's one of those unique situations where it's, what else are we going to say to this person? Right? It's almost like an exception to the rule. But it just goes to show how important it is to recite Fatiha. It's a really good um, uh, example. Widad says, are you Islam 21 sees a marina? Uh, she is Widad. So she goes, Salaam Alaikum. Okay. I'm assuming that's something really good, by the way. Okay, I'll have to Google it then. Okay. Well, then my salams to you as well, Marina. Welcome. After seven days, <laughs> I just realized this is Islam 21C, so Marina, are you doing lots of writing for Islam 21C, yeah? Yeah. yeah. All right, you sick guy. All right. All right, Narina, yeah? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 give a charity there, yeah. Yeah, 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 seek. No confusion, man. Just give it to as many Muslims as you can, 100%. Yeah, yeah, sick guy. Tell me if you've got any more, you can give it to me as well. I like this generous course, man. It's fantastic. Fantastic. We always have a generous course, man, all the time. Right, are we all done here, folks? Jazakumullahu khaira wudu is valid on dyed hair. That was the final question. Is it valid? It absolutely is. Inshallah, back at the same time next week. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa ant. وأستغفرك اللهم وأتوب إليك والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته